Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at Metal Cloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the Metal Cloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, Metal Cloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. Please tell me your name. Ian Johnson. Thank you. What's your job title? I'm the host of Extreme Off-Road Television Show. Where do you live? I live in Nashville, Tennessee. The Modern Jeeper Show. The show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matt's from Medical Care. Welcome to episode 237 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Corey and Jesse are lost somewhere in North America. Honestly, I don't know where they are. There's probably an update someplace, but I've been too busy to keep track. So this week, we're bringing back one of our original flashback episodes, where I recorded short conversations with various off-road leaders during Off-Road Expo 2015. Having just returned from Off-Road Expo this last weekend, it seemed appropriate to revisit one of my favorite interviews of all time. An interview with Ian Johnson, who at that time was still hosting his original show. This was originally episode 14 of our nascent podcast. However, you can check out many of our other awesome episodes at youtube.com slash modern cheaper. As always, we're incredibly grateful for this episode to our supporters and friends, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Stop, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Nacho Lighting, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. By the way, if you do like this episode, or even if you don't, please smash that like button, give a five-star review, and share it with your friends. Now sit back, relax with the cold one, and enjoy episode 237, sort of, of the Modern Jeeper Show. All right, so Ian, thanks for coming out here and join us out here at Off-Road Expo. Anytime, Manson. Always fun to stop by your booth. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Considering uh, it's kind of obligatory now, huh? <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. Hey, that was a fun build. It was a great build. It was a good time for sure. How was? Uh, have you done the release yet on it? Uh, it, it started to air. It's already aired. So the three shows have aired. Uh, so we're just waiting. Curtin's waiting to get his uh, hand controls installed in the Jeep. Uh, he's going through the VA to get all that knocked out. As soon as that's done, we're going to take him out, take him four wheel, and, and get him behind the Jeep for the first time. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. As a note, and this is for our podcast listeners. Um, when you drop something down on the table, I can hear it. I'm sorry, I apologize for That's that. That's okay, okay, I can do it. And I'll just show it. That's just for my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, you know, I want this podcast for all about this kind of, this will be the very first episode of this podcast, okay. to be more in-depth about the individual, not so much about all the fluff that we see in this industry, right? Okay. So, if, so here's my great first question. Okay. Riding in an elevator, somebody asks you, what do you do? How do you answer? I build trucks on television. That's it. <laughs> I normally tell people who don't know who I am that I sell women's shoes, because if they don't know who I am, then explaining my job is incredibly complicated. Yeah. But if they know who I am, if I say I build trucks on television, normally they don't they know who I am, and then immediately they'll know what I do. But if you don't know what I do, explaining that I get paid to build trucks, build Jeeps, build off-road buggies on television 
It just is foreign to people that aren't in this world. So, but yeah, how many times you told people you do women's shoes? Oh, usually when I don't want people to recognize me, I tell them that's probably a good dozen. Yeah, what's the? I want. I'm more curious about what the response is to that. That's usually no one. No, that ends the conversation. <laughs> you haven't ran into a guy with a foot fetish then? No, thank God. Thank God. That would be uncomfortable. <laughs> what's the greatest misconception you think people have about your job? Uh, greatest misconception about my job would be that there's other people that do all the work. So most television shows and people are used to this, and it's the reality of most of the other shows out there, is the fact that the person who's on camera talks, shows the parts, and then there's a team of other mechanics that come in and do all of the work, and then you just keep making TV, which is the norm in this industry. Uh, RTM Productions has refused to live up to that because they've always said that you can't have a credible television show if people don't believe that the people hosting the show are actually doing the work. So any of our shows, whether it's Extreme Off-Road, Truck Tech, uh, Detroit Muscle, or Engine Power, every single person who is on camera is the same person who does the work on all those project vehicles. That's great. That's great. Now you're, you have how many again are in RTM? It's four. Well, we do four shows uh, total. Uh, we have uh, some other shows that we've done in the past where we repurpose some of our video. Uh, in total, uh, and we dump them all onto what we've once they're aired on TV, we put them on PowerBlock Network online, powerblocknetwork.com. And in that realm is every show we've ever made ever for 20 years. And on that list, there is uh, almost 15 shows that you can watch online. Wow. 3.9 million people hit that every month to watch an episode of something that we've made. That's great. And how long have you been doing that? 11 years I've been doing TV with RTM. So I started with Extreme 4x4, and then uh, two years ago... Uh, we changed it over to Extreme Off-Road. And are you the still remaining guy, longest guy there, as far as Mike Ga- Mike Galley on Engine Power has got me beat okay. by like eight months. Eight months. Yeah, but that's it. But so, I, I'm still, but Mike Galley didn't start his show. He was brought in. Chuck and Joe started Horsepower at the time, and then Mike joined them a year and a half later. I'm still the only person who's launched his own show. Wow. Launch, you started from the beginning, did First it? show, Extreme 4x4. Was hired to do that job, moved to Tennessee, uh, started Street 4x4, and I'm the person who's been there ever since. So talk about that. I'm sure my listeners want to know, how did you get the job? What was it like? Where did you come from? What, what was the whole process? It's kind of funny. I got the job by applying on the Internet because I'd, I'd gone down to uh, Long Beach, California, and did an episode of uh, Monster Garage. At the time, I was still a high school shop teacher in Ontario, Canada. I was uh, teaching... Uh, automotive and welding and custom fabrication and uh, the show Monster Garage just come on the air and I filled out an online application and they flew me down and I did an episode where we built a Santa Claus parade float for the Long Beach Santa Claus parade. It was supposed to be in the Rose Bowl but it got banned because the, the, the float was of a dead Santa with a skull face that popped up and shot candy so it got kicked out of the Rose Bowl parade and so they had to put it in the Long Beach parade. But anyway so I kept in touch with all of the production guys from there, and uh, we had talked a bunch about, you know, coming back down and do another episode, and then they, it got canceled. So um, we ended up sticking around and doing a couple different things, and uh, they called me up and said, hey, there's a production company in Tennessee that's looking for people to do how-to shows, and I think it would be good for you. And so he sent me the email and said, you should call this guy and check him out, and, and I emailed in, uh, got on the list, and they flew 10 of us down. We did a screen test, and... Two weeks later, I was making television in uh, wow. in, in Nashville. So yeah. your first 
thing in television was Monster Garage. You hadn't done anything before that? Nope, nothing before that. Wow. So did you already have a desire to do that or just thought, hey, what the heck? No, I just thought it'd be cool to be a Monster Garage. I liked the show. It was yeah. fun. Um, I really did not want to be a TV guy. I, it, that was never a plan. I liked being a teacher. I liked being a mechanic. Um, but uh, when they drop this in my lap, you don't say no when someone says, hey, we'll let you build whatever you want in the shop right. with no budget. So we came down, and honestly, we thought it would last a couple of years, and then we'd move back to Canada, and we'd have a good experience. But we ended up, 11 years later, we're still doing it. Now you're truly a Southerner. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's culture shock moving from Canada to the United States, but throw on top of that that you move from Canada to the southern United States, and there's a lot of differences in that world, for sure. That's awesome. That's great. So you're there with your wife and... Wife and one child, one, one kid, Zach, 14-year-old boy. Is he following your footsteps? He likes mechanics? Or Absolutely what? not. That's perfectly <laughs> fine. No, he wants to be a forensic accountant when he grows up, so... Wow. Yeah, that's. Uh, but hey, whatever he Does wants he to do... Does he take after his mom, then? I guess so, yeah. He loves math. I love math. I always do well math, but he's got it in his head that he wants to be a forensic accountant, so... He's uh he's 14. He'll come in the shop a little bit, but it's not his world, yeah. and that's cool. I mean, yeah. whatever, whatever he wants to do. Still likes to go wheeling with his dad. Though. Oh, he loves going wheeling. He'll go wheeling anytime as long yeah. as I got the car ready to go. Nice, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So a little bit about off roading and stuff. So what's your favorite trail? Wow, I don't. It'd be depend where I am because uh-huh. I'm fortunate. I get to wheel anywhere I want. So I would say probably my favorite trail. Uh, in the southeast would be my favorite park, which would be uh, Hot Springs Off-Road Park. Yeah. Uh, it's just a fun place to wheel. It's a big park. It's great amenities. You can go there as a family. You can rent a cabin and stay in the park. And then uh, in that park, my favorite trail would be Ingrid's Revenge, which is pretty... It, it was Ultimate Adventures running a bunch of times. They do a lot of southern rock racing on it. And uh, that, that's a trail that if we're in Superlift, we have to hit. And then uh, west, uh, you know, Moab probably one of my favorite places and uh, i would probably say that in moab one of my favorite trails is still cane creek i love that trail it's not hard but it's just fun it's a fun trail so at the the other park um is that that trail what's it called again ingrid's revenge Revenge. who's ingrid i have no idea there's all these trails get crazy names you know ingrid's revenge uh, john's joe's rocks and it's just it's you never know but is that one that what kind of rig do you have to do a Jeep will do it. I mean, it's 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 not your typical nasty southern hill climb kind of shenanigans. Yeah. Those aren't trails. Those are bounty hills. Uh, these That's the thing about Superlift. They have bounty hills. If you want to go and throw your rig up it and come out yard sailing out the bottom, you can. But uh, Ingrid's, you can run in a Jeep on, you know, 37s, 40s. Uh, I've run the, my 715 up it. I've run my uh, Jeep YJ up it. You know, they're both, uh, they'll both make it. It's not a big fancy show or anything, but it'll, it'll get up it. That's fun. That's awesome. And Moab, of course, we see each other there every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. You usually do, like last year you were out there with Daystar, right? Yeah. Daystar usually brings me out every year. About five or six years ago, Mark Turner from Daystar, uh, he said, you know, I want to bring you out to Moab, and I hang out in their booth, and we do a trail ride, usually a, a Facebook reader's ride and stuff like that. And then last year we actually filmed it for the show. So we usually roll out there, hang out with Mark for the week, and it's just it's just it's all we, what we've always done. We've done it for five, six years now, and... I'll do it as long as they keep, uh, long as, it, as long as people keep going to Moab. That's the one problem with Moab is once you go once, you go back every year. You it's can't awesome. miss it. And this is the 50th, 50th anniversary. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. It's going to be insane this year. Wow. That's great. Favorite rig you've ever driven or owned? Uh, my favorite one would be, I love the Zook. Yeah. I built that Zook, and it was one of my favorites. 
Uh, but right now, I go with my favorites change, but what I have. But aside from that, uh, I love the 715 that I just got done building just because it's got a cool story and it's fun to drive. Um, but it's big. It's, a, it's like wheeling a full-size truck. So it, it's a big rig. So probably outside of that, um, of everything I've built, the Zook would be at the top of the list. Nice. It's just cool to drive a diesel you know, a little on 40s with, with just, it's just stupid, you know. And did you build a truck to tow the, or to carry the Zook? Wasn't it the yeah, deuce I, and a half? I, yeah, I bobbed the deuce and a half to throw the Zook in the back of, yeah. Yeah, and the only mistake I made with that is I put the stack on the driver's side, and so you had to, like, wear one earplug if you wanted to drive it down the highway. <laughs> what scares you? Um, I don't know. Nothing, really. Yeah? No, I mean, when it comes to wheeling, I never really get scared because... Actually, what scares me is if I'm driving a rig I didn't build. That's probably the only thing that scares me. Yeah. Because I don't know it. So, like, when we were, if I'm everywhere and someone's like, hey, drive my truck, I'll drive it. But I don't want to hit anything really hard on it because if I didn't build it or have my hands on it, I just I just don't know how it's going to react. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know everything about the car. So when it comes to stuff that, that I, I need to drive someone else's car, that kind of worries me. Yeah. That, that, that kind of, I just have an uneasy feeling about it. Not that it's built wrong. It's just that I don't know it i don't know the car front and back understood yeah so what is the number one reason that people fail when they're doing their own builds or that you've seen honestly i think it's all money yeah i think i think it's two things i think it's money the guy slows down people which i think and i think people also get discouraged when it's um, when it takes so long and uh the one somebody said to me once long long time ago when i was wasn't before i was on tv and and, and building stuff they said if you want to stay motivated on your project work on it every night even if it's just for 30 minutes or an hour even if you're just going out and you just take a tire off to do something you work on it for an hour every night because when you put it off for like to the weekend or till next weekend then that's when projects just get stagnant and then it then it becomes this huge mountain to climb where it's like well i gotta put eight hours in this weekend if i want to get something done but if you just take little bites at it and realize that you know it can take two three years to build a rig it's not the end of the world right you know if you're doing a really big build, that's how long it's going to take. you got to realize that. How long have you been working on your uh, your Jeep project? My wagon? Your wagon. My wagon got stalled because I found the 715 and I had to finish it. But I've been working on it for about a year and a half now. Nice. And it's at the point It's at the point that I've never liked bodywork, but I have to bite the bullet and actually do bodywork on it. So that's what stalled me on it. But uh, like the chassis is done, the drivetrain's done, it's all ready to rock. I just got to do some bodywork and get it back together and get it ready uh, I've been excited to see that one happen yes me too me you, too you put it on a JK frame it's on a four door JK frame it's got your uh, game changer uh, kit on it with the six packs with the six packs it's got a built uh, 550 horse LS1 in it it's got a 4L80 full manual Atlas Spider Tracks Pro Series all the way around 37's and then uh, I took the 53 Willie's body put your uh, put a TJ front clip on it and then did uh, the six inch flared uh, cloaks on the front because it really made the front end fat like it would have originally been. I didn't get an original Willys grill with the with the Jeep, and everyone asked, "Why didn't you use, use the original grill?" Because it looks so good, which it does look good, but I didn't get one. They get one, and I think you know a wagon with a TJ front end with six inch flared tube fenders. No one's seen it before. You arched or overline? Arched, arched, because it looks meaner. Yeah, yeah. I like arched. I'm yeah. a big fan of the arch fenders. You nice. know, I think they look cool. Yeah, it's cool. So, but you did the overline on the YJ project, the truck project. Yeah, the the shop truck that we built, you know, I really built that one. I wanted it. I wanted it brute. 
but I couldn't afford a brute. And I have a job on television, so that says a lot right there. <laughs> but uh, so I built a brute using the Aqualoo body and, and a throttle down customs frame. And uh, originally, I was going to finish it all out, make it shiny, and make it all cool. But then uh, I, one of those trucks, fake shop trucks, came into work, and it was all painted. Fotina, they call it. Fotina. Yeah, so I painted that one Fotina, and I never knew that that truck would blow up so big after I made it look so bad. I thought people would be, <laughs> but people geek out over it, so it's awesome. It's a great truck. Though. That's awesome. Yeah, but it. it's got the overlines on it, and it, it looks good on that truck because I painted them uh, oxide primer and then did the truck and the teal, faded teal, and so they really kind of pop out on that truck, so it worked well. So I want to go back. You said manual yeah. on the wagon? Yeah, 4L80. It's just to keep the what? computer out of it. Okay. I was going to say, why choose manual? It's a big question. A lot of guys have manual versus automatic. Well, it's a 4L80, but it's just it's just a man, it's a full manual valve body in it. Um, but the reason why is the the, the uh, engines on a standalone fuel management system, and I could do a standalone computer system on it as well. But the 80 kicks over to manual so easy, so I just put it on did the 80 a full manual valve body. On it. Nice, nice. Now, what happens to one of these rigs? Because you built all these great rigs, and you have these ones, some of your favorites, some of you out there you're seeing like the shot truck. Yeah. Now you're driving the new one. Where do these other rigs end up going? I keep as many as I can. So I've got seven of them that I own. And then the show has, the stuff that's built on the show is mainly owned by the show. Um, it's owned by the show or it's owned by me. Sometimes we sell them off um, to some companies that want to use them for promo work and stuff like that. And then usually other times they'll, they'll kick around. Occasionally they get kicked out and sold to the public, but not very often. So, like, I, you must have a very understanding wife you have seven rigs sitting around the house my wife made a bad deal with me years ago <laughs> and she wanted a new car and i didn't want a new car because i was a mechanic and i at the time we had just started teaching we didn't have a lot of money and i told her that a new car is a waste of money but she wanted a brand new car off the lot and i said i'll make you a deal if we don't have to borrow money to buy it i can have as many old cars as i want if you can have and you can have one new you can have a new car whenever you want so I remind her of that deal regularly when I bring home another car. It's just, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's the way it is. You just have land out there? Yeah, I mean, it's the south, so there's lots. Of, you know, lots more. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still cheap to live down there, you know. Nice. What would people be surprised to learn about you? Huh, I don't know. That I'm old. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what people would be surprised to know, but that's a good question. I don't have an answer for that one. I have no clue. No clue at all. Not, no, I got nothing for that one. The hair is real. The hair is real. Yeah, the hair is real. I wear it like this all the time, unless I'm playing paintball with my son, and then I don't wear it because it it sticks out of the out of the bunkers too much. Probably the one thing I think that people might not know about me is that my son and I both play on a uh, semi-professional travel paintball team. So we really? travel the southeast. We play in uh, uh, we play in what's called uh, D5, which some people call X ball or Air ball. But he's a, he's a D4 rated player, which is much better than I am. And I'm just a fat guy that runs around and tries not to get shot by him. But we travel uh, Ohio, Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, or rather Ohio, Indiana, uh, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and play paintball throughout the summer and, and the fall. And uh, it's just a good, it's a sport that instead of going and watching your kid play, you can actually play with them, which is kind of fun. That's very cool. How long have you been doing that? Uh, he's been doing it for two years. And then this year, I actually joined in and joined the squad, his practice squad. And uh, so he plays on the team, national travel team, and then I play on the practice squad. So he gets to beat me up on a regular basis. Yeah. That's a bonding experience. Absolutely. And it's like, it's funny because when you tell people to play paintball, they expect like, you know, oh, it's uh, 
it's, you know, you're in the woods and you're in camouflage. No, it's like the silly airball. You look like you're from outer space on a motocross bike, and you know it's two thousand. You he'll he'll roll. He rolls at about twelve point five to ten point two balls per second, and he'll go through probably two to three hundred balls in in a uh, in a standard two minute game. So it's it's a yeah, just the air powered big big capacity. It, you know what? Into. It's just like everything else. I mean, in the Jeep world, you can have a stock Jeep or you can have a built Jeep. He, he has a paintball gun that's probably worth as much as a good lift kit. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's like RC cars costing as much as a fully built Jeep. Exactly. Yes. Yes. There's there's different var- there's levels of everything. You can play paintball for $100, but that's not what he does. We pay, we're in the thousands of dollars range kind of deal. So, wow. Yeah. He's wow. lucky he's spoiled, but he knows it. He knows so it's it. all good. Yep. That's great. So if someone wanted to follow in your shoes, what advice would you give them? I think the most important, best advice I'd give them is just work hard. I mean, that's all I ever did. I uh, I started working when I was 17 and a half at a dealership, and all I ever did was just sort of make sure that, you know, just focus on working hard first and don't worry about so much about putting yourself out there and say, hey, look at me. You know, do something, work, build something, and let let people judge what you work for who you are and i mean if you build something really cool that's great but there's gonna be someone else who can build something really cool too so don't think that that makes you you know un- unreplaceable or or very very special just keep building stuff that's all you can do just keep working hard if you work hard and you prove that what you do is what you say you can do then just let your work for- speak for itself no matter what you're doing whether you're going to be a welder or a fabricator a mechanic or an accountant just work hard and, and that's 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 what speaks for who you are as a person. That says so. So for you, being 11 years now, has that just been your persistence? That's all I do is I work. Yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of funny because at work we got executives who sit up front and worry about things. And uh, they'll always worry. They'll say, we're worried that you're, you know, you're putting in really late hours. And work. But for me, I'm fortunate. If I feel stressed out or I get worried about something in life, I, I weld too. That's what I do. Or I go and I bend tube or I build something or I cut a trunk apart. That, to me... That's my for, form of relaxation. Some people, it's golfing. Some people, it's sitting on a beach. My version of relaxation is getting to build something. So if I'm working, uh, you know, last year I had to get the WD-40 Jeep. We actually started that in September and had to have it done for SEMA. And that was, you know, it was it was 18-hour days. So, but to me, those are work days, but it's not really, it's work, but to me, it's a relaxing work. So it doesn't bother me if I have to work 20 hours a day. What's the old saying? If you enjoy what you're doing every day, you're not really working. It is true, and it's it's absolutely true. You know, if you and it's more that you it's more the fact that if what you're doing is is not just enjoyment, if you find it relaxing, it'll never be work ever. So what for you over these eleven years in this career? What roadblocks have you run into that others might find valuable? I think probably the 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 one thing that I think most people who are trying to get into any career are going to find is you're going to find people who who. They don't want to hire you because you don't have experience, or they don't want. You know, it's that old catch twenty-two, right? You can't be hired because you don't have experience, but if you don't have the experience, how can you be hired? Right. And I think ninety percent of it, you just got to find ways around that. You know, you just got to. I remember the first job I had as a mechanic. I wanted to work as a mechanic. I'd worked at a dealership. That dealership had closed, so I was out of work. And I went to another dealership to get a job, and he said, "Well, you know, you've only been at that dealership for a month. I, I don't know what you can do." And I just said, "Hey." Hire me for a week and don't pay me. I'll bring my toolbox in here and I'll work for the week. And if you don't like what I do, just send me home and don't give me a paycheck. If you don't, I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with working just to work and just proving your point. If you can prove that you can do it, 
and just go out from there. Good advice. Finish this sentence. Uh oh. Metal Cloak is. <laughs> Metal Cloak is. Oh, man. I'd say Metal Cloak is just, it, it's going to sound corny, but it's just good stuff. You know, it's, it's made in the USA, it always fits well. Never had issues with it. I've used it on a bunch of projects. So I would just say Metal Cloak is good stuff. Metal Cloak is good stuff. There you go. We'll quote you. <laughs> you can't put that anywhere in no, print. It's, yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. Jump forward five years. What does your future look like? Uh, I hope to still be doing what I'm doing. I want to keep building cars and cutting stuff up. And, you know, I'll, I, as I said, I will make TV until they tell me that, that I'm not allowed to make TV anymore. You know, I enjoy what I do. So, and then if the TV stops, I'll probably be still building Jeeps and buggies and trucks somewhere else. So that'll be that'll basically be the deciding factor on it. If they keep paying me to show up and make television, I'll keep making television. It's an addiction. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, you know, working with you out there and doing that episode, because I've had the same thing people have said to me, you know, like, how does this show, does Ian really do what he does? And it's great to see it and be able to testify that Ian is in there. He knows everything he's doing. He knows more than most of the guys standing around there. And I got schooled once or twice. <laughs> and he's, you're really doing it. And I was there three days to film those 17 minutes. And I know you were working other days, other hours to finish some of the stuff that we had started. Yeah, we work basically year-round. It doesn't stop. Everyone asks that, when does your season start and stop? But it doesn't stop. I'll, uh, this is Sunday. I'll fly out of here at 3 o'clock. I'll get back at 11 o'clock on the East Coast. I'll get up at 6.30 tomorrow morning, drive my son to school, and then I'll be welding in the shop tomorrow at 8 a.m. So right. we, we don't stop. It's, it's, it's a job. But it's fortunate for me, like I said, I enjoy working in a shop. So to me, it's the perfect job. If you wanted my job because you like to go four-wheeling, it would be the worst job in the world. That's just the truth. You're not going to get to go four-wheeling every day. It doesn't happen. You're, you're not... It's not Guy Fieri. You're not Guy Fieri. I look like him, but I'm not him. I don't have other people cooking my food. I don't have other people doing stuff. You know, no one's delivering my Camaro around the world to, to show up at a diner. Uh, you're you're in there. You're cutting. You're grinding. You're welding. You're unbolting stuff. You're planning the next projects. You're meeting with the sales guys. Talk about what's going to happen next. It, it just doesn't stop. But for me, I love it, so it doesn't matter. How often are you somebody call you Guy? Not enough, because I'm still trying to get a free meal out of it. But I don't think my hair is white enough. And I don't wear enough jewelry. Not a bling, not enough tattoos. Yeah, and I need more like armbands and. Do you, have any, do you have any tattoos? No, I, nowadays I'm more original because I don't have a tattoo. That's, That's really my theory. And I'm lucky too because when I was 16, I almost got like the Guns and Roses cross on my arm, but the guy wouldn't do it because I didn't have ID. And I'm very thankful for that to this day. That would have been a bad, bad day. That's one of those shows where they remove the tattoos. Yeah, that would have been me. Yep, absolutely. So you've been here since yesterday, or yep. you got here what? Friday. Better Friday. Yeah. Friday. Walk around the show. So tell us about the show. Uh, Offroad Expo is always a good show because it's a good mix of everything. You know, you got sand cars, UTVs, Jeeps, trucks. You know, it is. It's and it's a good barometer for the industry as a whole. So yesterday, just the basic fact that this place was packed, uh, sort of tells me that things are good. You know, and that, that's a good thing. You know, I think it was as busy as it was ten years ago, which is nice. Nice. So, so I think it's coming back. I think the JK is doing well, and I think it's probably even going to be even bigger because now that new model coming out next year. I think people will be less afraid to cut their JK in half now. So I think I think in the next couple of years we're going to see some pretty cool JK builds for sure. Nice, nice. Hopefully we'll be doing some of those. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll probably do one or two. That's great. Well, Ian, thanks for coming out here. It's been fun talking with you. Anytime, Matt. So you know that. Oh, before we go, real quick, two favorite products you've seen out here. Uh, two favorite products, I would say. Um, well, I don't know about products, but things I've seen. 
that in that Voodoo booth, they've got that crazy uh, Can-Am that they've converted over to, uh, uh, it's got 33-inch tall tires on it. That thing was absolutely insane. And then probably, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not a UTV guy, but that uh, Yamaha UTV with the, with the actual transmission in it instead of the golf cart belt, yeah. um, I think that's going to be a game changer for sure. Well, did you see the Baja Razor? Yes. In Rugged Radio's booth? Yes. Oh, that thing. Yeah, I've, been, I've been following that on Instagram for months. Man. That's that crazy. Thing, that's, that's crazy. Apparently, that's got so much play that he's going to do one of every model next year. So it's pretty trippy. Pretty wow. Trippy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks again, Ian. Anytime. Take care. Right on. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.